Hello and welcome to season two, episode three of What's So What Now What. Ravi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Tim. How are you, how are you today? Very good, very good. The summer, uh, well, summer, winter even has been very kind to us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I went outside to the shops to get something at lunchtime and it was um, sort of like basking in the glory of the sun with a tinge of sadness that, you know, climate change. It's like, this is great, but it's February. This is fantastic weather, but global warming is a thing because it was snowing this time last year. I think it was um, Snowbegeddon around this time. If you yeah, it was actually. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> it's crazy. Exciting, but... Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, we've we've had a couple of episodes in the last um, couple of weeks. We had the last one on DataViz literacy and we mm-hmm. had a, some follow up, didn't we? Yeah, it was, it was really good feedback um, from the pe- our listeners, um, which grew and lots of people from different ranges and we're... We're sort of getting out from the the people that we're following in this. We're seeing like other people's friends and other people getting involved and listening in, which is really cool to see for us because um, uh, we, we, we're trying to be as um, focused on data and tech and things that we're interested in as possible. So, um, no, it's good to see um, so many people um, listening and f- giving feedback and sharing uh, the podcast. So thank you for that. And, uh, of course, if you have any feedback and any thoughts you want to share with us, um, absolutely send them to us so like on twitter by dm um me and tim are very easily i think we've got fairly distinct names so we can <laughs> we're um easy to find on on other social networking and LinkedIn also in the show notes as well yeah and of course um it's in the show notes on how to get in touch with us and the various ways we've got an email address as well um so you can email in as well uh, and yeah as, as tim mentioned we did a couple so uh on, on the back of that we mentioned at the end of the episode we were going to do a bonus episode uh, about um, how we podcast, so how we're actually doing this, for example, today. Um, and that, that that dropped this week, so definitely go back and check that out if that's something that interests you. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we kind of want to encourage more people to, to get involved with alternative uh, ways of sharing content, uh, whether it's a video, podcasting, blogs, whatever you're doing, just try and do something different. Um, yeah exactly so what are we talking about today what's our what's our topic we're on a bit this week right we are this is a bit week and uh, we're talking about nlp nlp so that's neuro-linguistic processing that is the right acronym for that uh, sort of subject matter but it's also natural language processing depending <laughs> on what you want to talk about so yeah. okay so which which uh, one is it? <laughs> uh, today we're doing natural language processing cool it's it's an area of sort of machine learning yeah, I think this comes at a nice time. Um, uh, last last week, Tableau, um, the software that me and Tim use very regularly, uh, introduced 2019.1, which has a, a, a feature called Ask Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this, is, this basically came from Tableau acquiring a startup. So Tableau were thinking about natural language, but, but what they did to sort of kick it into place was buy this startup called ClearGraph. Uh, this was a couple of years ago now. Uh, and ClearGraph was sort of a capability which allowed you to ask questions of the data so Mm -hmm. for example show me this week's transaction show me anything over 200 pounds that sort of thing Uh, and now that's now a feature um, as part of tableau's offerings Um, so it's quite it's quite a quite a hot topic well i wouldn't say hot topic but it's a it's something that's of interest to a lot of people at this moment in time but i also think it's quite new isn't it tim yeah, it's 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 quite new to the Tableau world. I, I have to say that this kind of this the first time I saw a feature like Ask Data uh, wasn't in Tableau. It was actually in a in a demo of some Office three six five thing a couple of years right, ago, okay. and um, it's funny because at the time um, the interface was more or less the same uh, as what what we see today. But that it got a lot of critique then, but. Um, now that it's appeared in um, you know our world, it's it's it happens to be new. So I don't think it's a new concept as uh, per se, and not, especially not in the business intelligence world. But it's new to the Tableau sphere, um, and so naturally that you know allows us to have another round of conversations about its purpose, its meaning, and, and, and how it all works. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I think of natural language and sort of having a conversation with a computer, because that's what it is at a high level, yeah. right? Um, you also yeah. give assistance in some way, like they have to translate this. But enough of me trying to go off on a tangent, trying to figure out this in my head. Um, so, Tim, do you want to have a go at explaining at a high level how NLP works and what it is? 
Okay, so this is um, it's you know, I'm I'm thinking back to our episode on hyper, and I'm trying to uh, desperately try and keep this very very <laughs> simple. Okay, yes. um, I'll try and keep so, you on track as well. So <laughs> thank you. So uh, NLP is essentially a subset of machine learning. So machine learning is this um, field of computer science where essentially. Uh, computing tasks get too hard to program. So instead of programming themselves, um, programming it ourselves, we actually get um, computer um, technology to sort of start trying to make sense of things on our behalf. So we give it the basic tools that it needs to do, what it needs to do, and then right. it goes off and makes meaning of that. So, um, so, so yeah. just on machine learning, um, mm -hmm. I think a really good way to think about it is tagging. Um, it's sort of trying yeah, to spot shot, patterns yeah. and behaviors. And what machine learning really is, is, as you say, instead of trying to co complicatedly program every single potential outcome, it's like saying, well, mm -hmm. how about I just open this up and then have a computer that just almost listens and tags similar behaviors. Uh, and exactly. Then, and then there's this concept of training a machine learning model or machine learning program. Um, and I guess this then feeds into natural language processing. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. And, and the key thing here is that, um, you know, um, when we talk about language, we're, we're dealing with linguistics. So we're dealing with words and machine learning is typically sort of focused around dealing with mathematical problems. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you type a query into Google, everything gets boiled down to numbers and computational maths takes over and then returns a response using mathematical models. Mm -hmm. And so with NLP, what we actually have to do in a, a lot of the cases is actually apply this computational linguistic sort of approach where we take words and we turn them into numerical values that then can then be understood by a typical machine learning model and then also uh, natural linguist natural language processing specific models as well so it's a bit it's a bit of both so that's kind of like saying um if i say the cat sat on the mat it's like classifying each one of these as uh, with a unique identifier is that right like the number you're processing saying as that processing number would be like taking each word as a, a tag and then also grouping it as a wider sentence as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me dive into uh, an easy example, maybe one that you might type into Google. So uh, who's the president of the United States? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that question is a, I'm going to call this a top tier aim. So when you type that question into Google, you're looking for a response. And if you, ask that question you don't necessarily know the answer so you're also looking to get an answer okay yeah. and uh, that's sort of a top tier goal so we've got to remember that what is the top tier sort of goal and then the next thing that google has to do is it's got it's got to perform some tasks so the first yeah. task is to read your text understand the sentiment um understand that you mentioned a country understand that you asked for a president understand that you asked for who is the president with the with the term who's so that's all called named entity recognition okay. and relationship recognition and then the very low bit the lowest of low um, part of this process is actually understanding the individual parts so the letters so uh, the way you've typed it the sentiment where you typed it the fact that you put a question mark on the end means that you want uh, uh, an answer back so those are sort of the, the three levels of of um, a typical sort of natural language um, process right so i guess with the that that's i'm going to work backwards now from what you said right so yeah. um so going to the lowest level that could be like did the bears win this weekend right so exactly. you're saying the bears and then if that bears is a small letter it could just be you know just a regular bear like the animal yeah but then mm -hmm. if you capsulize it you're then making it an object and that then the machine learning model then can pick that up or the exactly. um, nlp algorithm can pick that up as okay if it's capitalized b we can we might be referring to um a sports team right yeah so a sports exactly. team or a, a group of people that mm -hmm. are, are typically known as bears uh so then that, that's the smaller part right and then as you said you've got the full stops question marks punctuation all these yeah. different things that come into it mm -hmm. um, of course with google there's other stuff that comes into play like apostrophes and was it double quotes for like exact phrases but yeah we exactly we don't want to get into that too much um <laughs> But then you, so you mentioned the level above, that's, as you, I think you said, medium level challenges. Yeah, so, so mid-level like, tasks, yeah. Right, so this would be like saying, trying to figure out what you're trying to get out of it. Like what would the, mm -hmm. the ob objective of this statement, of this phrase be? So that's, I think this is the, this is the meat of it. 
Because if you think about, um, I mean, I, I think both of us have done some level of uh, text analytics or text passing. And yeah, yeah. it's tricky, right? You always end up sort of using an API instead of trying to figure it out yourself. Because yeah, you kind of, of you relegate it over there to the machine learning engine somewhere in the cloud, right? Yeah, because then you because you then sit down and you realize if anyone's done this, you sort of the the, the approach you kind of take is oh, okay, cool. Well, let me just uh, I'll just create a couple of phrases and then I can create a tagging system mm-hmm. um, where it's like ones and zeros and in columns, um, and then I can say like this is the sort of thing that happens. Then you start thinking a bit more and you're like, hang on, I need to get rid of stop words. So like a the all of this stuff. So. The more you, more detail you want, the more of this stuff you want to do. Like another one, another example of annoying text analytics is, um, I think, um, fuzzy matching. Yeah, fuzzy yeah, matching is so one. so difficult because it's like there are so many nuances, like names, places, mm-hmm. as well as words, and then languages. Yeah, it, it yeah. gets into a messy sort of stage. So this this is where the sort of I, I'd say the magic happens with with natural language. And even um, and even fuzzy matching that you've just mentioned there that actually uses some natural language uh, processing specific uh, models things like the edit distance to figure out the difference between whether you mean playing play plays or played um, in, in as a as a very basic example um, you might be uh, using Microsoft Word and you might mistype something by one letter uh, that's another example of um, sort of machine learning or natural language processing happening in the background to try and figure out what it is you're actually trying to say mm-hmm. and therefore give you a spelling uh, suggestion um yep yeah that's a really good point because I, I didn't really think of that one like there must have been someone way back when they created microsoft word and be like we should have a spell check and they've just loaded in the dictionary and then the dictionary is that natural language machine learning thing but it's, right. it's, it's sort of like machine learned if that makes sense it's like exactly it's, it's done its thing it's, it's got its database to refer against but then what machine learning when it comes into its own is like, uh, I guess, like um, your phone keyboard when you add a word. So I, yeah. I always have this issue with when, when I get a new computer or a new phone, I have to type in my name and I always get the squiggly lines because Ravi and Mystery is like, it's not in the English or US dictionary. So you have to <laughs> yeah. sort of add it to dictionary, right? Right. Uh, right. As a name. Um, yeah. So I guess that that's a form of a natural language. And then nowadays, of course, with like Office 365, these things, these applications are typically connected to the internet, so they're constantly yeah. picking up from a database. But um, natural language, I guess, comes in like on Gmail's new feature of trying to predict what you're about to say next based on your previous yeah, email exactly. writing habits. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, if you allow me to go one level deeper, and this is going to be pertinent when we start to try and talk about business intelligence, I, w- I wouldn't try and, and stop NLP. you too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, when you when you have a natural language sort of process running, or when you're doing anything with natural language processing, you need to train it, as you rightly mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what's typically done in the field is um, there's a something called a corpus, and a corpus is just basically a group of documents. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, if I give you an example, a corpus might be a list of news articles. Okay, so okay. each news article is essentially a document. Another corpus might be I don't know. Um, uh, uh, Wikipedia articles of all presidents of the United States. So they're right. very narrow, um, they're very specific, but what they do is they allow the model to learn the language within that realm. So in the mm-hmm. news articles, that realm will be very specific. Um, and there's a, you know, there's there's a whole sort of list of corpuses out there. And then inside of that document, inside of an article, let's say take a news article, um, you have essentially um, different things going on. Uh, the main one to, to really focus on is morphology. Mm-hmm. And morphology is essentially this concept where you're trying to understand the structure of a word and how that changes its meaning, okay? Right. And so if I take a, a very simple example, I could say that something is fantastic or I could say that something is fantastically horrid, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the latter example is actually quite hard for a, a computer to figure out because it, if you were just doing sentiment analysis, you'd see the word fantastic and you'd give it a high score. Okay. Right. And then you might see horrid, but because I've said fantastic um, first, you mm. might miss the sentiment if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I think I saw a talk on this and the, the lady was like, I don't really understand why this happened. And it's like, I think um, when you get into colloquialisms, this yes. happens for sure. Right. Yeah, because exactly. Y- you could say this is sick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah, like yeah. as as a um, 
as a British person who understands that slang, sick yeah. is a good thing. That's an awesome thing. It's, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then if I'm speaking to um, someone, you know, who's not a natural... Uh, uh, non-native speaker. Non-native speaker, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the native, the word I was looking for. So a natural <laughs> language model would have picked this up. <laughs> um, yeah, so if someone's a non-native speaker, that they might question that and ask, you know, well, why are you using the word sick? I thought that meant like, you know, ill or um, when you are physically yeah. sick, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and the sick even has this sort of um, uh, uh, verbal sort of sound that makes it, that follows its meaning. So it's yeah. not only just a word, but yeah, it has, it but, carries a lot with it. Yeah. But then, it, it, I mean, if you, if we talk about like, um, like um, when you're speech to text sort of thing, right? Speech to text yeah. might, might, might in the future start picking up intonations. Now, right now, if you're typing something, if I said, this is sick, into a computer it would still assume it's negative because there's no intonation if i said to you oh man that's sick that's so good like yeah. in context that's good right absolutely um, and if, if i can pause you if yeah. i can pause you there it might improve if you decided to build a corpus of slang language from let's yes. say london slang right so yeah. if you fed it a corpus of appropriate sort of terms it would actually eventually learn but I, I don't think anyone from london is doing that right now <laughs> <laughs> maybe some researcher somewhere is sitting there and, and listening to this going like hang on no, hang on this is literally my doctorate right now um, uh, an nlp on english sang that will be amazing <laughs> <laughs> right okay so We've, we've sort of gone into the weeds there. So if we just step back out, the one, the last thing I want to talk about is the difference between syntax and semantics, okay? And mm -hmm. I think when you hear those two, you, you sometimes immediately confuse the two. You think they're the same thing. But actually, syntax is about grammar, punctuation, you know, the things that form sort of a sentence, the rules of the language. Um, yeah. In programming, syntax is the way a programming language works, sort of the colons, the semicolons. Um, if we talk about semantics, though, semantics is a little bit higher because it's the uh, sort of derived meaning from those things. So the, when you're talking about the sentiment of something, you're arguing about the semantics, yeah. whereas when we were talking about sick and all of that, we were actually talking about syntax, sort of the lower level of, um, you know, how that word comes together. And so um, semantics, the discussion we then had was a semantic one, but mm -hmm. the syntax, the, the actual, you know, construction of that sentence is a syntax-based one. So that's really, really important because by feeding uh, a natural language processing sort of algorithm more information about syntax and um, feeding it with an appropriate sort of corpus that allows it to understand the semantics of certain language, you then start to derive better meaning. And this is really, really important when we then start to talk about uh, natural language processing in, um, you know, business intelligence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, this, this is where you need to start thinking about what kind of questions will people ask? Now, um, if I take take a, another like leap backwards into what we when we mentioned machine learning, um, mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, so one of the machine learning models, the first ones I came across was on a TED talk about basketball analytics. Okay. Um, and they they basically they were trying to train cameras to be able to spot um, one of the moves in basketball called a pick and roll. Um, and there's so many different ways a pick and roll can happen, and with tracking data, it's hard to sort of identify that. Now, the reason I'm bringing this in is because natural language is starting to do the similar sorts of things where mm -hmm. it's picking up conversation and like the way you're interacting with it and trying to identify and try and articulate what you're trying to say based on the reams and reams of information it gets. So again, if we go back to the Google example, imagine how many times, how much information Google has on a question someone asks and then mm -hmm. the web page they click on. Exactly. Yeah. Because that then is feeding back into this loop and um, helping the model and the, the the process understand the syntax and the semantics and then the endpoint. So it's got this entire flow of here's the question, here's what the perceived answer was, mm -hmm. um, and now let's break go back to how we broke this down to understand how we can then improve the model. It's this improve it's it's, it's this constant improvement I think which is the really really cool part of this this um, technology. 
Exactly. And this is this is why Google sort of has a massive advantage over its competitors in, in the search space, because uh, Google's been having this approach to sort of let's sort of uh, apply machine learning to everything approach since since its conception. Everything has been based on on this sort of way of thinking. I think mm-hmm. the best example you and I came across is literally last night when I sent you a video of uh, we were basically uploading a podcast onto YouTube. And the reason I was doing this is because I discovered that YouTube's transcription service uh, is actually ridiculously good. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, ha- I had a look at the transcript of our last podcast, the how to um, podcast um, 14 minutes long. And I went through the the transcription that it did just based off listening to our video. And it only got about 10 words wrong in the whole entire thing. I mm. literally couldn't believe it. And that is something that I remember when it was launched um, two years ago. Was oh, man, it was so buggy. It was so awful. You would never switch it on. Yeah. And someone told me you should switch it on and try it. And I've, I've even met um, a couple of people who've said this in the past and I never really twigged. They use it to transcribe video and audio or they create sort of um dictaphone uh, files so they'll record something on a microphone they'll create a video out of it just so that the google tra- transcription service can give them <laughs> the transcript back amazing <laughs> because it's that good uh, it's much easier to edit something that's already 90 percent there than it is to write it from scratch right yeah um, I mean, editing 10 words is easier than writing well i mean i've tried so um, I transcribed um, a focus group once uh, when I was right. in university uh, and it was an hour long, um, yeah. uh, maybe an hour and a half. Anyway, it took me seven hours to write it all out. To do it properly, yeah. Yeah, because then you, you basically have to listen to it on half speed. And I'm, I, 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 I feel like I'm a pretty good fast typer. But mm-hmm. even then, it takes a long time to type out word for word and tag and sort of structure it properly. So then I could use it back into my essay. Exactly, exactly. And so if we now then try and start to, let's actually use the Ask Data example here. So I'm going to try mm-hmm. and test to see if you've understood how Ask Data works in the background. Okay. okay. So um, Ask Data, um, oh, it's maybe useful maybe just describing what, what exactly Ask Data does and how it works for people who haven't used it. Yeah, sure. So um, this is, we're now very much in the so what, right? We're into the, we've talked mm-hmm. about the pr- concept. Now let's apply it somewhere. So so what, why does this matter? Um, so Ask Data is um, basically... Uh, an ability so previously on tableau's server offering you'd be able to log on to it and look at data sources uh, and then look at specific work um, and when you clicked on a data source excuse me um, you'd be able to see which workbooks were connected to it now that's changed slightly in the new version of tableau and instead of being shown the workbooks immediately the first thing you see is ask data and what this is is it's a it looks very similar to Tableau Desktop, if you've seen it, with the construction of the view where you've got your dimensions and your measures. And then you can hover over these to get a quick uh, understanding of what's underneath this data. Um, and then there's a search bar, very much like Google or you know, similar to any search bar you'd have in the middle of a page. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start typing. It, it's got some examples based on the, the data it's scanned. So it, it first does some metadata loading and analyzes the data set. And then gives you some examples. If I've got a a housing data set, it will show me like show me the sum of price by district, for example. And it'll give me examples of how to write that out. Um, Now, if I type in uh, show me price over time, uh, Mm -hmm. Ask Data then picks this up. It then says, okay, so you're saying show me. So you want to see something? Let me ignore that price. Let me okay. Price is a field in my data. Over time, okay, over time will probably be over a date field. So it picks the first date field it has or the most used date field as well. Right. Okay. So it's a, it's a fairly nice sort of implementation. It's nice and easy um, thing to sort of follow, right? And mm-hmm. um, so now, now let's try and unpick what's actually going on. So let's say I type a query, show me the sum of sales. Oh, I'm thinking like a Tableau developer now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think, think like an actual analyst. Team, think like, like an actual human consultant. being, not like yeah. a consultant. All right, okay. Um, show me uh, the sales for the Eastern region, okay? Yeah. How would sure. that work? How would that work? So uh, this would probably be, you'd say, you'd, you'd type that in, I think. You'd say, yeah. show me sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
in the eastern region and it might not pick up the eastern but it, it mm-hmm. might it might do I'm, I'm not double checked but it seems to be able to fairly fairly good at picking up uh, both spelling errors um, as well as um, what you're trying to get at it then gives you an autocomplete of like two or three options and then you just right. can either select one of them and it will then pop up with the chart right so as you're as you start to type it's already starting to process sort of what mm-hmm. you're asking and it's trying to sort of make sense i think what they've done is they've obviously programmed it to understand how a question might start so show me what is how much uh, when all those are all questions that insinuate a specific angle into yeah. the data. So when you, as soon as you start to type that, it's processing that. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, uh, so an, another it. example would be like, uh, give, giving the the software the aggregation you want. So like, mm-hmm. um, average sales uh, over time by region, right? And and right. then what Tableau's alongside doing that query. What the the really funky stuff Tableau is doing is it's then generating the chart in the background, and of course Power BI also does this. Um, I think they released the feature in December. It does very much the same thing. It works in very much the same way, um, mm-hmm. except you don't get the metadata view on the left hand side to help you out in figuring out um, the um, the the syntax. Right, right, and so. That's kind of interesting. I've just tried it right now and I asked it the question who on our data sets, our time data set that we often look at. Mm-hmm. And it understood that um, it was actually talking about username. So it suggested the username when I said who, which uh-huh. is obviously a great field because it's gone into the field and I think figured out that this is a list of names or it's just simply looking at the field user name and it's thinking, oh, who must refer to an individual and name has a lot of similarity. If you go back to morphology, it's got a very sort of cl- tangential connection with um, a specific uh, individual. So, correct. It's, f- it's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, correct. It, that's exactly what it'll probably be doing. And this is where I mentioned that that first scan. When you when you click on it, it will load up the data in the background and sort of summarize it and understand what your fields are meaning. So, the more yeah. description and detail you give give to your fields when you're curating your and governing your data sources. Mm-hmm. and the better it gets. Okay. So the next thing is uh, sort of the aliasing. So this is a feature in our data, mm. right? So what, what, what does that actually do? How does that work? Right. So say, for example, in your database, um, you have uh, your sales as um, transactions sold, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some people will say sales. Some people will say revenue. Some mm-hmm. people will, might say, you know, stuff we gave it like stuff we sold stuff like that and what you can do is you can then say so transaction um value you can right click mm-hmm. and then add in and say right this is sales comma this is also might be revenue uh this also might be whatever else right right, so th- right. this is this is so this then you're giving us data the different um i guess this is semantics right you're yeah, doing yeah. different types of words that would be used uh, when mm-hmm. someone's typing out a query um, to refer to that specific field. Exactly, exactly. So that's pretty much it. We've sort of broken down, at least at a very, very basic level, sort of how this works. And it sort of makes sense, right? So, you know, Tableau is kind of bringing a lot to the game here. They're bringing some of that understanding and uh, of, of sort of sentiment, semantics uh, that's built in. I think this is where ClearGraph um, probably did most of their research and innovation in. Mm-hmm. It's asking users uh, or admins or data source admins to give their data sources context, uh, uh, give them a little bit more information so Tableau can understand what people mean when I say sales or um, profit. And those are very straightforward sort of uh, terms. But um, what you hope in the future is that it's able to do calculations because profit is a simple calculation between revenue, margin, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, potentially, right. And, and I mean, right now it's, it's sort of focusing on the sort of queries like um, how many transactions were over £500 last week? Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that that's, again, if we break this down in the way that natural language unit will take it down, it'll be like, right, so how many? So we want to count something. Mm-hmm. Transactions, let's look for that field. So transactions could be, again, revenue or number of orders, whatever it could be. Yeah. Then it's over $500. Okay, cool. So we now need to find the field that's looking at has a value of 500 pounds or dollars or whatever right 
Yeah. And then last week, and it's saying, right, let me find a date field and then segment it to just the last week from today. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So th this is going back to what Tim was explaining earlier about that, um, the three-step model of going from a top-tier aim, medium-level challenges to smaller parts. Mm -hmm. The top-tier aim would be here, how many transactions over £500 last week. Then it's broken down and the sections are taken out to sort of link back into the data and pull the right. query out. Mm -hmm. And then the final part is the syntax and the stuff like that. So, for example, how many, then the £500, um, and then last week rather than this week or next week. Right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, you've forgotten the critical step, which is whilst it's doing all this, it's also building a SQL query to go get the data and bring it back, aggregate yes. it, and then show it to you in a view. <laughs> yeah, that's a small part. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a tiny little bit there. And it's also doing so. This it, it I I find it amazing that you know when I when I did some research for this episode, I now fully appreciate how amazing things like Siri and Google and uh, what's what's Google's assistant called Google Assistant. It's just called the Google Assistant. Yeah. Um, I, I I like literally the the speed at which they do what they do boggles the mind. Um, for you to say something, it goes up to the cloud. They can process it in a nanosecond and send you a response that's almost instantaneous to you. It's like you're just having a conversation with it. There, it's it's, it's phenomenal. It's um, fantastic, right? It's fantastic. Yeah. Like it's it's one of these things when when it first comes up, you're like, oh, it's a fad. But then when you start integrating it into your life, like for example, um. I've got an Apple watch and like, so when I'm like doing something or, you know, putting something on, on, on the hob and I'm like, right. Um, I'm not going to say it now cause it'll trigger it, but like Siri <laughs> set a timer for X, right. And it will do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just triggered <laughs> as I've done that. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. Um, sorry everyone. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. If you're, if you're listening and we've just triggered your Siri, um, apologies. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's doing that and it's saying things, it understands what I'm trying to do, right? It understands right. that I'm asking it to not only set a timer, but it's then going and doing it. It's go, then going to the timer application, setting the timer at 10 minutes and then saying your timer's set. And then it's also setting an alarm to trigger out back to you. Yeah, and this is this is the kind of value that I think really gets businesses excited. I mean, I have to say that every every decade there's a trend, every year, sorry, there's a trend in uh, business intelligence. What was it last year? Last year was um what was the what was the last year's trend in in real sense? I think it was about speed and scale and the the, the, the typical generic thing that's actually been around for the last few years. I, but, th I think it was it was about the speed that you get your data. Yeah, it was about speed. So everything was about speed. This year, it's all about ah, oh, how can I get stuff without doing anything? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so, yeah, I, th I think it's it's two prong. This year, it's all about literacy. Like we need to raise the literacy of our workforce. Right, right. As well as how do I make things easier to raise the literacy for our workforce? Exactly, um, exactly. And so this is really interesting because whilst we joke about this, um, there's actually some real sweet advantages of, of technology like this coming to maturity. I don't think we're there yet, but I think in the next few years, we might reach a level of maturity where we start to see a different kind of business intelligence starting to appear in businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe we should just touch on a few examples. Um, um I think the first one that I'm, I actually really like the sound of, and I know I'm going to sound like a loony when I say this, but <laughs> zero data movement and zero ETL. Okay. Okay. That's wild. Yeah. So this is, this is a concept I read um, on Medium, uh, not an author called John Thuma. I'll link it in the sh show notes. And um, I didn't quite buy his explanation of it, but that, that simple concept of if you can get natural language processing, to understand where your data sources are, uh, what kind of transformations or questions that people want to have done, and then do them in real time rather than having masses of data warehouses and ETL setups sort of set up answering every single question you might possibly want to know and then persisting that in a database somewhere. That's just wild, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and um, there's also the 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 effort to find out what these the the, the, the each column is what is a record yes, exactly. you know the, the, the sort of the, the tick list you have of data um the data sort of uh, auditing process you do to understand mm -hmm. and the, the contours of your data i think it was mentioned i think ben jones has a um a talk or a webinar coming up soon where he talks about the contours of the data and has this little checklist you can go through 
um, which which touches on this exactly exactly this and um, yeah, and it's 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 so powerful because um, for so long I think that those two specific things so data movement i.e being able to move data from one place to another and access it and then the etl required on top of that that's actually always even today still a big hurdle for lots of organizations Mm -hmm. to try and kind of overcome and so this this solution is 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 it's really nice one Uh, i think the downside though is that um, when lots of people are asking questions, you and I don't ask questions in the same way. So how do we how do we guarantee that we get the same um, you know the response back? If you ask what sales in New York, and I yeah. ask what sales in New York, but I say New York in a I don't know weird way, is yeah. it going to give me the same thing? Like, yeah. And and, and that, that's sort of a real big sort of hurdle I think yet to yet to come. Like understanding language in its full proper sense. But, the, but then I think it comes back to also that when you were trying to think of an example about Superstore, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you were trying, you, you, you immediately start saying it in, in like, as if you're teaching a tableau class, like, let's, let me show you the sum of sales of yeah, exactly, X, Y, yeah. and Z, right? So <laughs> you, you're already thinking this different way to say yeah. an exec who would ask, like, show me the transactions last week, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. That's a different question, but it's a completely different same question. Thing. Yeah. And, it, and you, you're, you're both, lo- you're both looking for a similar answer now. In terms of this, the, the concept of zero data and zero ETL, I don't really buy it, but I think it's reminded me that the actual big buzzword of last year was platform. Oh, oh. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that every single business intelligence tool was talking about itself becoming a platform. And, right. I, I, and I think that stuff like NLP allows Power BI, allows Tableau, allows ThoughtSpot, Arcadia, all of these different tools to be like, well, actually, we're doing this, and then actually, the the thing we're solving isn't the the, the dream they sell when they pitch it to you in, in the sales pitch, right? Which was like your execs are now able to access your data. Mm-hmm. What I personally have found that our data has made me think about a lot more is data curation, right? It's right, made me right. think about how is my data being, uh, it, how is uh, how are the end users interacting with it, and what do they see when they're seeing this analysis on down the left hand panel. And it's making me think about like, but how does the data get from A to B? It's this entire data movement thing, it's this entire ETL thing. And this is where like the, the concept of platform starts to almost, you, it's a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. It has to be a platform, right? It has to be a yes. platform in order to um, fulfill this promise. Exactly, exactly. And that's actually a really good point. Um all of these things build on other things. It's, it's uh, uh, excuse the analogy, but layers, right? So you're building layers upon layers of sort mm-hmm. of uh, platforms on each other. And in many ways, there's always this concept of you have to be able to hot swap a particular part of that layer or stack, as they call them in traditional IT, yeah. um, with something else. So uh, platforms are really important because um, if, for example, you decide that Tableau is not the tool for you and you sort of decide to switch in another tool, um, mm-hmm. you need to be able to very easily and quickly transition to that new tool and not have to change your entire stack because you invested in sort of you know one one sort of platform, which is actually sadly the case for a lot of organizations. They can't very easily swap out the analytics functions from their ETL processes because they typically solve the, the whole package in one in one solution. And, and it's it's almost uh, like vendors make it hard, <laughs> right? Yes. Like yeah. it's it's kind of in in their nature. They, they they want to keep customers for life. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's within their best interest to make it fairly difficult to move away. But I think um, this sort of thing being more across the board means that you don't you can step away from that sort of thing maybe in a certain way. Um, now going going back to the so what right so go we're very much within that that section of the podcast and i'd i'd say that you mentioned that you know we maybe might not use nlp in a certain way but i've actually found it that being different right so something that i previously would have connected to in tableau server and done a quick web edit to see something i've just started using ask data um and it's something that i can just because i've sat down and read and understand and thought about how this works I'm ha- I feel comfortable doing that. I know it's quicker for me to get. It's almost it, it becomes that quick speed thing, right? Yeah, it's almost true, quicker true. for me to get that query back with a text query 
then connecting, waiting for it to load, then like going to a new tab, then dragging and dropping, then fiddling around and doing all this stuff. And what you said about having the technology then start building calculations for you based on the habits, like based on the fact that when someone logs in to a data source on Power BI and then they start asking a question about X, Y, and Z, it's like, wait a second. So when Tim came in earlier, he asked a very similar question to what you're asking. And then what yeah. he did was he did this calculation of um, to get the profit ratio. Do you also want the profit ratio? And you can be like, yes, I do. Yes, and it's exactly. Done. Exactly. And what's interesting about the way they've implemented it in Tableau is that they've um, they've actually stuck to the user interface that you're familiar with. So dimensions and measures on the left. You can see the fields, which kind of plays as a visual cue of what to ask. They've given you some suggestions, but they've just given you essentially a search box in which to type something into. And this is very interesting because it's still keeping this idea that the canvas is this sort of area below the search bar, which is actually where it's always been in Tableau, except for you've been the one building the queries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it's an interesting but important thing because for me, I don't believe that this is this is uh, sort of ready for prime time until there is confidence to let you choose between what kind of interface you'd like. Would you like the Ask Data interface or would you like the drag and drop interface? Would you like to build <laughs> your own stories or would you like to ask questions? And until they offer that choice side by side, then to me that signals that they, you know, this is still has some It's mileage. a slightly different application exactly. to the... Exactly. Yeah. But I, th I think that going, going, we're talking now in, in terms of Tableau being this journey, right? With people yeah. who they start viewing and then they start mm -hmm. wanting to do stuff and then they start wanting to build stuff and then, then suddenly they're this super user. Yeah. Uh, which I think works with every single software. Like you think about R and Python and all these different coding softwares. You yeah, get the same, exactly. Exact, exact same thing. You first start by using someone else's package. Uh, I mean, then you start putting packages together and copying someone else's code. Then you start the, writing um, code. The, the Power BI sort of uh, implementation of this isn't too far different, actually. It's very, no, it's similar. very similar. It's very similar. You could argue in many ways that Tableau maybe learned a, a thing or two from that interface. But I think what is still missing for me, it's this, you know, what we're really trying to shoot for here is this world where people are empowered to ask their own questions, right? And this, mm -hmm. is, this is really what Astate is trying to do because... I mean, if I step back a little bit, there used to be this dialogue around Tableau three or four years ago that it was easy, you know, anyone could drag and drop and so on and so forth. And then in the last, uh, you know, couple of years, it's become, I'm not say a hard tool to use, but some of the best features are not the kind of features you can just very simply explain to, let's say, <laughs> a seasoned Excel user, right? And by a seasoned Excel user, I mean someone who's, obviously quite comfortable with concepts, uh, you know, difficult data concepts in Excel, okay? So uh, pivot tables, lookups, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Try explaining a level of detail calculation. Yep. And I know I can, <laughs> hear, I can hear the crowds of people saying it's easy and okay, I'm sorry, but it's just not. And, you know, there's more and more coming to the products, which people like you and me ask for because we are asked to do these reports um, and, you know, build sort of even more complex dynamic uh, reporting solutions. But for the everyday user, Tableau's moved away from that. And I so I, I think this is this is how it comes back to that person. This is how yeah. your your everyday uh, user comes back into the into the play because for Tableau to move forward in that respect and allow us to build more interactive, more sort of um, empowering uh, dashboards and, and stories, as they always say, mm -hmm. um, you need to be able to cater for people at both ends of the spectrum because it's just there's not enough space in the interface to cram all the stuff that you want to cram in. And so you have to now differentiate between, uh, well, I was going to say junior developer, but that's the wrong term, a new user uh, who's just, starting with questions and doesn't have to overcome this hurdle of understanding the interface before they can answer a question, which is a great first step, right? Mm -hmm. And this other step, which is, okay, now I'm actually familiar with this. How do I transition from this uh, search box, which is quite limiting now because I've asked all the questions I could possibly get and transition to this thing where I can already, you know, ask for all my questions and they transition you out of this Ask Data interface into a drag and drop interface where you can then start actually seeing how it actually works. Because you've been asking questions, you, you kind of uh, use a word from earlier on, semantically understand what you need to be able to do. Yeah, 
no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. So, Tim, where do you see natural language going just to sort of curb today's episode off? Where, where do you see well, it going, like, in both business intelligence one. and the wider world? So here's the thing. I, I think I think we're going to see natural language. Um, I mean, it's very, very prevalent. Spell checkers, search engines, uh, Wikipedia, like all these, all these systems, we use it every single day and have done for quite some time. Where it's still not there is this sort of, top level of execution. If you think about Alexa, or if you think about Siri, right? <laughs> it's really impressive what they do, but sometimes they get the most basic of basic things wrong. Okay. Yeah. And if I think back to the Google translate example, two years ago, three years ago, that was awful at transcribing audio, but now it's got 96% accuracy. And the funny thing is because it has a 96% accuracy rate on uh, transcribing, it has a really high hit rate on translation as well. Right. Which is, which is an amazing side effect, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and that is where we're kind of not with the NLP, at least in business intelligence. We've, we've achieved that first level of sort of uh, ideation where you can, you can put it into the product. And actually, you know, there's a good feedback area in, 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 in the Ask Data Tool. You know, if you, if you don't like something it's done, you can click the feedback button. It captures your name and you can give it your company and you can send it the feedback right in the tool. And I think that's really, really important. Um, going forward but i think businesses need to sort of uh how do i say this manage their expectations i don't yeah. think it's going to solve um a lot of the challenges people think it's going to solve not in the immediate uh, near future <clears throat> i think uh it still requires a lot of upfront work in terms of aliasing um it's not clear how language is going to be supported i'm pretty sure that majority of tableau users don't speak english if you take the total yeah. of uh, yeah, yeah. you know the tableau use base i think most of them speak another language other than english and so how does this work for non-native speakers and then going back to that uh, discussion we had earlier on i think if you've ever been in a meeting and just sort of envisage the way people talk about metrics right there are just so many ways of having a discussion about any given metric that I think this software still has a long way to go in terms of being able to fully handle its own, as it were. So if I fed it a query or term that it never seen before, I don't think it's still good enough to handle itself. Whereas if you think of Google or something, whenever you ask it a question, even if it gets it wildly wrong, it uses some other sort of basis to get the right answer based on your previous history. And so something that doesn't exist today is Tableau doesn't have a history of all your questions. So this is a chance for you, Ravi, to talk about your metadata layer. <laughs> <laughs> your yeah. favorite feature. It's my favorite there's no, feature. There's no metadata yet on the kind of questions people are asking and who's asking those questions. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and what, what Tim's referring to is the, the, the left-hand panel is my favorite part of our data. Like I, I have this vision of this is going to help change so many different things within companies where they understand the usage of the data they're using and it becomes this um, self-actualizing cycle where you can understand what what fields, what work workbooks, which, what definitions are being used within each of these different um, aspects of the Tableau server or, and data sources. And then that starts feeding back to the data source level so you can start optimizing your queries and creating specific views. And it's just this really cool idea of um, trying to streamline and trying to optimize the way that you interact with data in order to stop people um, getting getting fed up or frustrated with the, yeah. the use of the product. Exactly. Um, now, to answer my own question about um, where I see natural language going, I, I quite like your Alexa example because I think one of the first I was, I was sort of following the the data cast webinar uh, for Ask Data and looking at the the hashtag and having to quit scroll down. And there was three or four people immediately like, cool, this would be amazing if you could integrate it into Alexa. And I think before the pod, we, before we started recording, Tim, I was telling you like, oh man, I hate I hate that concept of like, let's just put it in Alexa. Because it's like, I, yeah. I, I compared it to group FaceTime. Like everyone asked for group FaceTime for like five years. Yeah. And then we got it. And I don't know anyone that's used it. <laughs> if I'm completely <laughs> honest, I do not know anyone that's used a Apart group from FaceTime. hackers, of course, yeah. Apart from hackers who wanted to listen in on your conversations um, after you hung up on them, <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously a bug that was um, announced and now has been patched. Don't worry, folks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just feel like um, 
it, it, it entering into Alexa isn't priority. I think people have already tried doing it. I think there was a hackathon last year and Star Schema, among all the all, all awesome stuff they do, they they sort of built some level of solution where you can integrate Tableau and um, you speak to it. Um, however, I don't think it's paramount because I think it's something that's like you'll use it a couple of times and then get frustrated with it and be like, you know, it's easy for me to type actually. Pretty much, unless it's Jarvis from uh, the Avengers, it's, it's not. It's not going to be good enough, right? <laughs> That's like supreme artificial intelligence, and we are nowhere near that. So, exactly, exactly. But that, that's sort of the level of. It's funny. It's it's crazy. We we sort of imagine these technologies in fiction, and they end up becoming almost possible in our lifetime. It's 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 madness. But it's crazy, right? It's it's also. It's one of those things where I always have to caution people about getting fanatical and sort of claiming that it's going to answer problems. It's 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 not going to do that this year. But I think for companies, if you're joining um, the business intelligence sort of bandwagon today, you've never really had a big push for business intelligence, then this is absolutely fantastic because you've got no benchmark previously of sort of what to do. However, if you've deployed um, business intelligence towards the thousands of users, this is just yet another thing you're going to have to train users on, right? And so, and you have to enable it and you have to train it. There's probably not enough resources to allow you to scale that up in your organization. Uh, which makes it a real challenge, actually. And so what happens is you just switch it off. You don't even switch it on and you end up becoming stagnant as a result of that. And so I'm hoping what Tableau does is they learn from the users who are using it. They apply some of that learning. They open up some some more useful ways to interact with this model, whether it's through typing or even a microphone or some other sort of examples or even something silly like using the uh, typed questions as chart suggestions so that when someone's building a chart they already have a list of uh, charts that people have asked you know from tableau server that would be awesome yeah bring some of that into the product and from there you then have a really sort of solid basis of which you can start to see, okay, this is how, this is the journey of how this is going to affect my business and this is how it's going to do good. Um, I think the simplest one, again, something that you've talked widely about is being able to understand what questions do people actually want to answer? Because we build reports and often you, I mean, I'm always in this situation where you talk to mid, mid-level mid to senior management and they talk about one set of KPIs. You go to the ground and you talk to the people who actually use the report and they talk about a completely different set of KPIs. Right. <laughs> and, and it's you're two stuck in the middle, things. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then, and, yeah, so natural languages. It's a cool concept. I quite enjoyed like reading about it and finding out more about it. And you always end up back at AI and machine learning because that's basically yeah, what it's exactly. built on. Um, but it's just taking on this incredibly complex field of text analytics uh, and kind of making it a bit more accessible, which I think is really cool. I think we've got a show there. Yeah. that's uh, That's been a very interesting uh, topic. Um Thank you for listening. You can always uh, find our show notes uh, in the podcast uh, app of choice, or you can find them on 3wattspod.com. Just simply go to this episode. This has been season two, episode three, and uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time. Excellent. Nice one. Um, Take care, and we'll speak to you soon.